You're listening to the Brighter Finances Podcast, the podcast designed to bring the brighter days of life to life through financial education and comprehensive case studies. Hello, and welcome to the Brighter Finances Podcast, the show that brings educational content to help small business owners and content creators bring the brighter days of life to life. This is your host, Louis Guajardo, the founder and lead financial planner at Brighter Days Planning. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 decreased income tax rates, highlighted by the individual brackets starting at 10%, and decreasing from 15% to 12%, 25% to 22%, 28% to 24%, 33% to 32%, 35% bracket remaining the same, and finally, the highest bracket moving from 39.6% down to 37%. In today's episode, I want to discuss what does this mean, why is it important, and what do we need to know to take full advantage of the current rates. These are all topics that we'll dive into right now. So I want to start by discussing what is the Tax Cuts Jobs Act, which we'll later reference as TCJA, and why did it pass? So it's essentially just an overhaul of the federal tax code, which was signed into place by President Donald Trump in 2017. While it was estimated to lower the government revenue by $1.47 trillion over the last 10 years, it's a pro-growth reform with the main purpose to increase economic growth. So it's unclear exactly how much this may have cost the U.S. government or how much we may have benefited from it. Some of the main things that this did was by focusing on the individual tax code, which we discussed in the introduction to this episode, it also affected a lot more than than just these brackets, including business taxation, the standard deduction limit, and notably the exclusion amount for estate taxation, which is a big one, which we'll discuss later on in this episode. While there were a few permanent changes, we'll mainly focus on the revision back to the pre-TCJA tax laws to see how we might be able to benefit from the current advantages given by TCJA. So essentially, the TCJA was only to take place between the years of 2017 and 2025, and in the year of 2026, it will sunset and the previous tax laws will come back into place. Now, to format this podcast, we will go down a list of four of the most important changes and discuss the prior law. We'll also discuss the current law and a possible strategy to implement before the tax law reverts back to the pre-TCJA law. It's important to note that this is not a guaranteed outcome. However, if there are no changes between now and December 31st of 2025, it's set up for us to go back to the 2017 tax laws, which would likely be adjusted for inflation. With that said, let's get into the first provision. So the first thing that we can do is see how we might be able to benefit from the potentially lower income tax brackets. Like we discussed in the introduction, a lot of these brackets are going to be at the lower rates as of now and increasing come 2027. So what can we do about this? Well, one of the main things that a lot of financial and tax advisors have been suggesting to their clients is increasing income now as opposed to later. Because you could potentially save anywhere between two, three, four, even as high as 5% on taxes if you're able to increase income now. And I know that increasing income may sound like, okay, well, easier said than none, but I don't necessarily mean increasing your W-2 salary at your job, but perhaps there are some other things that we can do, such as Roth conversions that will increase your income 
um, that could potentially bump you into the higher tax bracket, or you could take full advantage of the bracket that you're currently in. One of the things that we can do is by converting a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. So like we've discussed in previous episodes, a traditional IRA is going to be a tax deductible account, whereas a Roth IRA is completely post-tax, meaning that you've already paid taxes on it. So when you take distributions from it in the future, you're not going to have to pay any additional taxes. There's a few other benefits to this as well, such as no RMD and also providing you with tax diversification during retirement. So let's take a look at a potential individual. Let's assume income is $150,000, meaning that they're in the 24% bracket as opposed to the 32% bracket. They have $32,100 before being bumped into the 32% bracket. So to take full advantage of those lower rates, what they can do is convert a traditional IRA, assuming that they have somewhere in the range of fifty dollars or $100,000, convert the $32,100 now paying 24% in taxes as opposed to potentially higher rate during retirement. And like I said before, Roth IRAs also have benefits such as no RMD and tax diversification in retirement. So now I'd like to move on and discuss the standard deduction and credits. So the TCJ eliminated the personal exemption but it doubled the standard deduction. In 2026, the standard deduction will revert to the 2017 level adjusted for inflation, but the personal exemption is back to approximately $5,500. So what does this mean? Well, it really means that a lot of people are gonna have to start itemizing their taxes like they did previously. So there are certain credits and deductions that might be affected by this. Let's take a look at one of those, for example. So the TCGA doubled the child tax credit and capped the SALT, the state and local income tax, at $10,000. The state and local income tax deduction is especially important for high income earners in states with high tax, such as California, Oregon, Minnesota, New York, and New Jersey, among others as well. According to the Tax Policy Center, tax filers with income above $100,000 were 18% of all tax filers, but accounted for about 78% of the total dollar amount of SALT deduction reported. The average claim in this group was about $22,000. So the Tax Cut and Jobs Act eliminated roughly $12,000 of the benefit, which helped in increasing the popularity of the standard deduction. Now that the standard deduction is going to be much lower and there will not be a cap on the SALT deduction, well, a lot of people are going to start itemizing again, like I said, especially those in high-income tax states such as California, Oregon, Minnesota, New York, and New Jersey. Because of this, tax planning is in turn going to become almost necessary in many cases to track additional deductions and to plan for them. So in a lot of ways, you don't necessarily need to track your SALT deduction, but there will be additional deductions that you can take advantage of since people may be itemizing in more frequency. So it will be important to partner up with financial planners, tax advisors, and really create a plan and make sure that you're taking advantage of all the deductions and credits that you qualify for so that when you go to file your taxes, you're paying as little amount of taxes as possible for that year. So now for the big one. This one also is probably only going to apply to very few people, really, really, really high net worth individuals, but I think it's extremely important to understand and even for some of us with lower incomes and lower net worths to see just how much taxes we could be saving. So what we're talking about is the estate and gift taxation. So prior to 2017, the lifetime exclusion amount 
was $5.49 million, meaning that you could give a lifetime amount of $5.49 million, or excuse me, you could gift that to anybody that you'd like and not have to pay taxes on that. Well, the current law adjusted it to $11.18 million, which has been adjusted for inflation even further and is now $13.61 million or $27.22 million in 2024 if you're married filing joint. So what's the strategy that we could utilize now in order to ensure that we're paying as little estate and gift taxes? Well, the current 2024 numbers will be adjusted once more before likely going through a cut in half in 2026. So the estate tax can be upwards of 40% due to estate taxation in certain states. So some states charge additional taxes on estates. So not just the 40% federal rate, but you may be paying 45, 50, or even 60%. Those with estates that exceed or are near that prior limit of $5.49 million should really consider meeting with an experienced tax professional or estate attorney to immediately begin planning for this event. So there's a lot of considerations here, but let's just go through a few of these strategies that we might be able to implement. One that comes to mind that's not necessarily in line with this lifetime exclusion would be transferring income producing assets to family members that are in lower income tax brackets. This is because a lot of income producing assets will generate higher income for people who are high earners. So being able to transfer that to somebody who's in a lower income tax brackets can save lots of money in income taxes, um, especially if this was something that you were considering gifting as part of your estate plan anyways. Now, another one that we could take advantage of would be what's called a grantor retained annuity trust. So this is an irrevocable trust, meaning that it cannot be changed or modified. However, as the name suggests, it's grantor retained. So whoever is the grantor will retain some rights to the property. So the purpose of this is to get an income producing asset out of an individual estate while still entitling the grantor to the rights of a steady stream of income from the asset. So let's look at a little example. A person transfers an investment portfolio worth $2 million to a grantor retained annuity trust. The trust will pay this person $150,000 at the end of each year for 10 years. If the portfolio earns a 7% annual return over the 10 years, this would provide the grantor $1.5 million and would leave the beneficiary about $1.86 million. There are a few assumptions such that the grantor needs to outlive the term of the grant and certain percentages would need to be applied to the grantor's payment in order for it to qualify. However, you can really see how significant that this might be in terms of saving taxes. Let's take a look at one last strategy that people might be able to utilize when it comes to the TCGA gift tax exemption. So the current gift tax exemption right now is $13.62 million. However, it's likely to sunset back to around $7 million come 2026 when the TCGA sunsets. So that's going to leave a large chunk of change on the table that could have previously been used to help avoid paying gift taxes. So let's take a quick look at an example of a married couple who wants to donate, say, $20 million and how they might be able to take full advantage of this in order to decrease their estate tax bill. If gifting $20 million, they can use one spouse's current exemption of $13.62 million, which would leave about $6.38 million left to gift. The next spouse can use the approximation of the 2026 exemption, which would be somewhere around $7 million, to avoid paying estate taxes in all. 
Whereas if they waited until after 2026 to gift the full $20 million, they might only be allowed approximately $14 million collectively as their lifetime exemption leaving $6 million to face roughly a 40% or greater tax rate like we discussed earlier. So this oversimplified example has the ability to potentially save upwards of $2.4 million in estate taxation. Let's take a look at another strategy that people may utilize when it comes to the TCGA sunset. This one is going to be specifically referring to qualified business income or the QBI deduction. So this is a new tax deduction that was introduced as part of the TCGA. It states that up to 20% of your net income from your business can be deducted in addition to 20% of any real estate investment trust dividends and publicly traded partnership income. So QBI is the net amount of qualified items of income, gain, deductions, and losses from any qualified trade or business. The businesses that qualify for this include partnerships, S-corporations, sole proprietorships, and some trusts, but make sure to partner with a CPA or a financial professional to ensure that you qualify for this before assuming and trying to take the deduction on your tax return. So if you're getting the QBI deduction currently, you're likely already aware of it, but if you aren't, you should probably partner with your tax or financial professional to ensure that you are taking complete advantage of this deduction while it lasts because it will expire in 2026. As far as a strategy, there's not much that we can do to plan for this besides taking full advantage of that current deduction right now before it ends. Now the last strategy I wanted to discuss is going to be again on the business side and this one's going to be bonus depreciation on qualified property. So we've been urging clients to speak with us or their tax professionals to ensure that they are fully prepared for the TCGA sunset as far back as 2021. This is because there are some changes that would have benefited taxpayers to act on sooner rather than later. The bonus depreciation on qualified property is one of those. So common property that would be allowed for this bonus depreciation often include things like computer hardware and software, as well as furnitures and even fixtures. So what this rule allowed for was for businesses to take depreciation of 100% of the cost instead of the prior 50% for business property that was placed into service between 2017 and 2022. Now that will range down as the years come forward, which is why we tried encouraging people to speak with us as soon as possible. So it's going to be 80% for property placed in service between December 31st, 2020 and before January 1st, 2024. It'll move downwards to 60% for property placed in service after December 31st, 2023 and before January 1st of 2025. Now it'll move to 40% for property placed in service after December 31st, 2024 and before January 1st, 2026. It'll move once more to 20% for property placed in service after December 31st, 2025 and before January 1st, 2027. And then it will completely expire for property placed in service after December 31st of 2026. So the strategy here would be take advantage of the rates as much as possible. But as we like to say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. If we're going to place property into service, don't let this be the reason that you do it. But if you've been considering it, maybe now would be a good time so that you could take advantage of this bonus depreciation. So right now you'd be looking at somewhere around a 60% deduction if you placed it into service now. And then again, 40% in future years or even 20, or as little as 20%. But I do also want to make it clear that depreciation isn't going away altogether as there is still section 179 depreciation. 
Just this bonus depreciation allowed for higher limits when compared to section 179, and it also didn't cap the amount of depreciation that you can take to your business income. So to wrap up, the top four planning areas for small businesses and individuals when it comes to the sunsetting of the TCGA, make sure if you haven't been tax planning to start now. We discussed multiple ways that you may be able to contribute, whether you're a small business owner or even an individual looking to lower your tax liability. We spoke about the higher tax brackets likely to come in 2026, the standard deduction decrease and some credits that will be affected and how you can begin to benefit from itemizing your deductions in 2026. We also discussed estate and gift tax changes and how you'd be able to implement a grantor retained annuity trust or spouse's lifetime exemption to lower your estate tax bill. And lastly, we went over the QBI deduction as well as qualified property and bonus depreciation and how your business may be able to utilize the decreasing limits before it gets completely phased out in 2026. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and head over to our website, brighterdaysplanning.com, and leave us a note under our contact page. We always love to hear from our friends, family, and clients. Until next time, cheers to Brighter Days. Thank you for listening to the Brighter Finances podcast. If you'd like access to some of our free resources or would like to see how we may be able to bring you Brighter Days, then go to brighterdaysplanning.com and click get started where you can schedule a one-on-one meeting with myself. We'd love to learn about your life and see how we can be of service. Lastly, please remember nothing that we discuss through this podcast should be considered advice. You should always consult with a financial, tax, or legal professional so they can become familiar with your unique circumstances before making any financial decisions.